The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome into the College Football Daily. It is Monday, June 27th. I'm Colin Kennedy, joined by Bud Elliott of 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports, and the Cover 3 Podcast, here to talk some offensive line. And why? I put out a feature story 24-7, and Bud, when I host these shows, I kind of like to pull the curtain back for the listeners at home so they get a sense of why we do these things. The other day, I was on the phone with a friend. We were talking college balls we normally do, and he brought up subtly to me, hey, how many people do you think actually like their offensive lines this year? And off the top of my head in the heat of the moment, I genuinely could not name more than three or four teams. It was kind of a dumbfounding question. And then you get to talking, you're like, man, how many people are writing articles or doing podcasts on offensive line struggles and a need in the transfer portal, so on and so forth. So then I hit you up because you are even more of a roster in-depth guy as much as I am. And you hit me back with, that's a pretty good question. And so I, I think this is a really fascinating topic. And it's why I not only put an article together, but we're going to talk about offensive line today. Glad to be on. I really appreciate you having me. Uh, you know, we, we do all this offseason content and we, we do all this transfer portal stuff. And you look at all of our sites in the 24-7 Sports Network and a lot of them are, hey, we still need an offensive tackle. And I'm thinking, that ain't going to happen in the transfer portal because everybody needs an offensive tackle. And Bama is out there taking an offensive tackle from Vanderbilt, which should tell you, pro- not, I mean, no offense to Vanderbilt, and uh, like you can be a good player and come from Vandy, but if you're if that's like one of the top offensive tackles on the market, that's a pretty big deal. You you saw the frenzy, right? That that Georgia's backup offensive tackle created, Marius Mims, when he jumped in the portal. You know, Miami and FSU fans were just falling all over themselves to try to get him, and he ultimately ends up going back to UGA. So uh, there's not a lot of quality offensive line help in the portal uh, relative to the need. But when I was doing the summer school series on on Cover Three, I, I would take and make a little mental note. Oh, actually, this guy that are the expert for this team said. You know, the offensive line should be pretty good, or at least okay, because a lot of people are like, eh, questions about the offensive line, I don't know. We only had seven linemen healthy for spring, so weren't really able to run a, a true two deep and couldn't really do a true spring game. So it's it's always fun to talk about it. I, it's really interesting, especially going into this year. I'm not great at math, but I tried my hand at it, and I saw that roughly 18% or more of NFL draft picks in 2022 were offensive linemen, and then you factor in graduating seniors, retirees, transfers. Like, There's a lot of turnover across the country, and those at home are going to be able to see the full list at 247sports.com in the article. But I want to then pivot and go to the teams who didn't make the list, and because I, I think they're really good examples of what we did here and why we had to do it and then how we did it. So real quick, but three teams that didn't make it, I wanted to put in. Ironically, they're all from the SEC. Ole Miss, Auburn, and Alabama. Quick rundown of each one. Ole Miss should have a really solid starting five, but they struggled at times last year, and the depth there is a serious concern. So I don't know that Ole Miss's staff is completely comfortable as it stands today. Auburn's got a ton of returning experience. In fact, like three super seniors, and they have Keandre Jones, who's playing at a second-team all-SEC level, but 
all those seniors not only basically missed the spring, but I don't know that the fan base necessarily loves that line put together as it currently is, even with all that experience in place. So that's a fascinating concept that kind of forced Auburn off the list. And then Alabama, on paper, just as Auburn has experience, Alabama has talent, but more often than not, last year, Alabama was struggling on the offensive line. It was a negative storyline more than a positive, and then you lose Evan Neal to the NFL draft, and I don't I don't know that Alabama could have made this list, and so I think each one of these are unique situations that kind of tell you the tale of what the landscape is along the offensive line in college football today. And it, it's it's a little bit of a relativity scale too, right? Like, would other teams feel good about Bama's offensive line if they had Bama's offensive line? Absolutely. But it's Alabama, so you can't necessarily feel great. I, mean, I guess you could in theory, but most times you're not going to feel great about every single position. So I would agree with you. I think there's still a lot of unknowns on that Alabama offensive line. And, and for Auburn, if they just, they're going to have to stay healthy because they have not recruited the position all that well in recent years. And they've had some coaching staff turnover and, and, and some injury issues. So we'll have to see how they do there. So speaking of these SEC teams, I want to kind of go conference by conference as much as we can in this podcast. And I want to, of course, start with the SEC and the teams who did make it. Georgia, Arkansas, Texas A&M were the three programs that really stood out to me right now. I think that these are three teams who should be able to lean on their offensive lines, even with some questions along the roster. And if they can, they could do some really special things in the conference. Yeah, I think Georgia really might. They could have the best offensive line in the country this year. I'm not saying they will, but they have the pieces potentially that they stay healthy and then they blend. They obviously lose Jamari uh, and they also lost Justin Schaefer to the NFL, but you have Broderick Jones, you, maybe Michael Morris can, can step in there. You kept Mary Smims on the roster. You, you have Xavier Truss on, on that team. They've recruited this position extremely well, and I just, I'm just i excited to see Georgia just maul people up front this year in addition to the fact that they could run some three tight end sets as well, so that could be a, a whole lot of beef on the field for the Dogs. Very intriguing group for the Bulldogs. Defending national champions, having all that continuity on the offensive line, even after losing two really good players, it's that's rare, and it's quite the luxury for Kirby Smart and crew. Going from the SEC to a little bit further up the coast, as much as we talk about in the offseason right now, the ACC is the conference of quarterbacks, bud. ACC might be the conference of offensive linemen. And it was really fascinating to me as I did this deep dive. You've got Pitt with all five back. Wake's getting four or five back. And they're replacing one of their best offensive linemen with a guy who started basically all of 2020 before going down with a season-ending injury last year. Louisville loves like eight or nine guys. Miami didn't make the list, but they like their group. This ACC conference, man, you're an ACC guy, but to me, it might be a really tough conference to play in if you're a defensive line. Yeah, I I think the ACC is almost easier to point out the teams uh, that maybe don't feel great about their offensive lines. Uh, UVA would be one there. Uh, They lose all five offensive line starters, and one of the two transfers who they brought in via the portal actually decided to uh, to leave and stay at Georgetown. So uh, UVA could be in a bit of trouble there relative to the rest of the league. Boston College, unfortunately, I'm going to blank on the kid's name here, but they lost four out of five offensive line starters to graduation slash the draft. And then uh, it was recently revealed that their best returning player on offense, aside from Dracovic, the quarterback, uh, their center, is actually going to miss the year with an injury suffered in the spring. So they're now in that UVA uh, 0 for 5 returning boat. Syracuse, precarious depth situation in the league. And Georgia Tech, I feel uh, probably also probably not where you want to be 
most of the other teams in the league, though, you mentioned Pitt. I, I think Pitt has to feel great about its offensive line. Your articles fill with ACC teams, and deservedly so. They, they got a lot of good linemen this year. So speaking of a lot of teams who really like their offensive lines, the other conference that I think really stood out to me is the Big 12. From your territory to mine, I was kind of proud of the Big 12 for having as many teams as it did on this list because I didn't really perceive it as an offensive line strength of a league, but Baylor's going to have a loaded group yet again. Oklahoma has a light, a lot to like coming back in addition to Bill Biedenboe. TCU should be really strong. West Virginia's got all five guys back. Even Kansas loves their offensive line. Kansas. And it's honestly something that has a lot of people optimistic about the trajectory of that program, that offensive line and what they're doing for Lance Leipold. If Texas strikes gold with those young guys or K-State keeps churning guys out along the front in terms of development. Like the Big 12 may be loaded up front in 2022. The uh, the er- early season matchup between West Virginia and Pitt will be quite interesting because obviously you have them on your list. We already had Pitt from the ACC. And, and the Mountaineers are, are a program that has not had quality offensive line play in the last few years. It has been trending, I think, in the right direction. But if they can really get difference makers up front this year, that would be interesting to watch. Additionally, I, I think TCU has had some talent in recent years, but consistency has been, been a real issue there for them along the offensive front. If TCU can go ahead and get a more consistent offensive line I think they could be live in the Big 12. I'm excited to see what they can accomplish. I think these are going to be really fun leagues to watch up front. We're going to take a quick break, but if you're having fun watching this or listening on podcast, we'll come right back with more offensive line discussions. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. All right, we're back here with Bud Elliott talking offensive lines and the programs who actually like their fronts going into 2022. And I want to go out west because it's kind of intriguing this was a conference that i struggled with a little bit in terms of teams who actually like what they have oregon definitely fits the bill bud utah is going to be really good again even though they lose some starters but man how many college football fans even diehards do you think could tell you off the top of their head that oregon state finished as a finalist for the joe moore award in 2021 this is kind of an interesting conference when we talk about the front so this is an interesting league i i actually we did our coaching uh contender draft on Cover 3 Podcast recently, and I kept my offensive line spot open. Thought I had a sleeper there and did. I I took Oregon State's offensive line coach. He's done a great job out there. I'm excited to see, what do you think Bo Nix does in a league with lesser defensive linemen and a whole lot better offensive line, I think, at Oregon than than he ever had at Auburn? I'm not totally ready to write off Bo Nix. Maybe I should be. Maybe I'll look foolish for this. But maybe he does really well with with that that expectation of protection by by that Oregon offensive line. Two teams we didn't mention, by the way, in this league, Colin, if if we can. UCLA and USC are two of the three highest win total in the Pac-12, I believe, per Vegas. Do they feel good about their offensive lines? Like, I love the skill guys at USC, but I'm not really sure about that offensive line depth there out in LA. I I feel like the words would be cautiously optimistic, but I don't know that I could call them comfortable. It feels like USC is convincing itself it has a good line, right? I mean, kind of the reviews I've heard from Ryan Abraham and the Peristyle podcast over there for our USC site, like, it could be good out West. Josh Henson, Obviously, a guy that knows a thing or two about offensive line play, but 
I, I still feel like there's a lot to prove there. And then, of course, UCLA, might, maybe the same thing. It was just a weird conference because I think there's a lot of programs out West besides these three who are maybe really trying to convince themselves that they should be on this list. But I need to turn on the tape and see it for myself. One one program that I want to bring up to you before we get to one of my final talking points of this list was Notre Dame. I call them the power five and a half team in college football because, I mean, look, like they're, they're in the power five, right? They're a power five caliber team team, an independent league type, but they're going to be really good on the offensive line. But it was a lot of shuffling, kind of some struggle play last year. But once they put it all together and they were healthy, Notre Dame looked really good. I'm kind of interested to see what they'll look like in 2022. I think they're no doubt one of the best offensive lines in the country. And and if things go right, they stay healthy. They, they continue to get a little bigger and, and mesh. They could end up being winning the Joe Moore Award and being the best offensive line in the country. I think they're one of the very few teams that is probably in that conversation. Them, Georgia. I talking to Dave Biddle over at Bucknuts. He doesn't necessarily love their depth in Columbus, but the starting five, he thinks they have the potential to be the best in quite some time. So, you know, when Ohio State says that, you gotta you gotta listen. But I, I'm really excited about Notre Dame here. I, I also want to, now that you brought up Ohio State, they're gonna be really good up front. Michigan replenishes in the Big Ten. But I was also really interested in that Wisconsin should be really good up front. And when you look at this list, it was kind of intriguing me to me to learn that they're gonna be shifting around a little bit. Specifically in the coaching staff, it's very interesting because they have a guy going there in Bob Bostad who actually coached the offensive line for the Badgers when they had four linemen named first team All-Americans, nine draft picks. I think we're going to talk about a lot about Ohio State's line, Michigan's line in the Big Ten, but Wisconsin with Bostad coming back to the line of scrimmage, that's a fascinating group as well in the Big Ten. I agree, it really is. And I, I that's not to slight other teams in the Big Ten either, right? I, I think Penn State probably will be better than they were. I don't think Michigan's going to have a huge drop-off. A number of teams in the West are probably going to be okay. I, I think that'll be a pretty strong offensive line league, is right, you know, even like the ACC, even if we don't necessarily know uh, some of the top names right now. Yeah. So I want to close with this, bud, because we're talking a lot about the power five to even the power five and a half of Notre Dame. But this was maybe one of my favorite incoming information pieces that I got from this research. Cincinnati and BYU are going to be in the national spotlight a lot next year. And how are they going to be able to get through it? It looks like by leaning on their offensive line. Cincinnati is getting all five of their guys back and three of them were first team all AAC selections last year. And then BYU, again, I'm not great at math, but they're going to be like on average six foot five and 305 pounds up front across the board. Cincy and BYU could make a lot of noise next year. And it seems like that front five for each team could help them do so. Yeah, a lot of people would, would forecast Cincinnati uh, for a drop-off as an overall team, and I'm, I'm certainly one of them. But if they don't, if they don't fall back quite as much, or even if they somehow uh, maintain that level of play, I think a lot of credit will be due to that offensive line for keeping you know rushers off from whatever the quarterback's going to be there uh, and allow them to hit explosive plays. Well, I'm very interested to see what these front lines look like in 2022. But, Bud, this was a lot of fun, man. I really appreciate you hopping on. You at home should check out Bud Elliott on Twitter. And check out Cover 3 Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe. Like them on YouTube. Subscribe to their YouTube channel as well. Check out our brand new 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. And then, of course, head to 247sports.com for this full article. 
and a whole lot more. Bud, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Enjoy, buddy. Be sure to check out Bud Elliott on Twitter and the Cover 3 podcast. Then head to 247sports.com to read the full article on these offensive lines. While you're here, subscribe to this podcast feed, leave a five-star review, and go subscribe to the brand new 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. For producer Lance Glenn and my guest Bud Elliott, I'm Colin Kennedy saying we'll see you next time here on the College Football Daily.